three, two, one. It's that time of the day. Welcome to the 4th Street Sports Show, an award-winning student podcast covering all things Golden Eagles. Welcome back to 4th Street Sports Show. I'm your co-host and guest host, Dima Mixon, all back from Vegas. Enjoyed it down there. And I just want to say before I introduce the crew here that I did take offense at Austin saying that I was at a strip club on Monday. After I listened to the podcast, uh, I encourage all of y'all to go listen to that. I take offense of that. But, you know, I'm not going to be mad at him. He's not here. We're not going to slander his name. We all love Austin. We love. I love each one of you, Charlie, Jackson, and Nathan, all in the room with me. This afternoon, ready to make some picks and preview this upcoming game of Northwestern. Guys, I, I missed it. I was in Vegas, and I had, like, my iPad up. I had my computer up. I had my phone up. I had the TV screen on. All four, like, screens trying to cover a game. And it's just not fun covering a game that way. So, you know, I missed it. And um, Jackson, Charlie, you're back from Miami. I know everybody heard you Monday as you were back from Miami. Nathan, you were just kind of sitting at home watching the game. So, um, you want to comment a little on Miami Southern Miss or just want to move into Northwestern State? We were actually kind of laughing that you were watching the game while you were in Las Vegas. So, but that that's that's um, we can praise you for that. That's commitment. Yeah, that gentleman's club has some good internet connections. You were able to use four devices to watch the game. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Definitely not doing that uh, out there in Vegas. I was out there, had a good time with my family. So I thank everybody for letting me have that time and not going the what was it jackson 26 hours of driving in three days uh only a measly 24 you know no big deal no big deal okay um little bit of a pop quiz to start off this podcast for all of y'all just like i like to do each prediction pod can anyone tell me without googling it without knowing just off the top of your head what the series history between southern miss northwestern state is right now i got it jackson it is an 11-11 tie. 11-11 tie is the correct answer. There have been 22 games, if I can do math, between the Demons and the Golden Eagles. And believe it or not, it is in a perfect 11-11 tie. Jackson, can you tell me the last time Northwestern State beat Southern Miss? Ooh. Or anybody in the room. I know the last game was played in 1999. Right. Ah. Uh... Had to have been in the 70s. The 70s is incorrect. 84. <laughs> 84 is right on the money. 84. So Northwestern That's what State. what I do. <laughs> Northwestern State beats Southern Miss 22 to 0 in Hattiesburg. Uh, so that's the last time Northwestern State beats Southern Miss. And I believe, I could be wrong on that. I don't know. Somebody have to fact check me. I think that might be the last time Southern Miss lost to an FCS opponent. Um, but. Actually, I don't think that's right. I think they lost to North, Northeastern Louisiana or something like that. But it doesn't matter. Um, so this weekend, definitely a game to – I asked Will Hall this, you know, yesterday. Was it yesterday? I can't remember. Yesterday, like, you know, you kind of put those two games behind you and look forward. Now we're at, like, okay, go out and win this game and then see what happens. Gentlemen, is that kind of what you're thinking for this weekend? Um. I mean, Dima, you're gonna you're gonna preview this team, uh, <laughs> but I mean they've had some struggles, 
And Southern Miss has had their fair amount of struggles, but I mean, it's an improvement from um, last year. And I don't want to say anything, but this time last year, Southern Miss played Grambling State and uh, wiped them clean. And Grambling State was just wiping this team clean. So I think it's going to be an interesting week, especially with Zach Wilkie. We'll get into I mean, not to disrespect Northwestern State, but this is definitely a get-back game for the Golden Eagles, or really a get-started game, obviously 0-2 on the year. This is kind of a confidence-building game, kind of <clears> – <throat> I don't want to say a scrimmage game because that's really disrespectful to the opponent, but, you know, it's not a game where they're going to overly game plan for their opponent. They're kind of just going to run their schemes and kind of kind of get right ahead of the two-lane game and kind of get Wilkie more reps, get him more comfortable. So it's definitely just kind of building. It's a cupcake opponent. I mean, that's what they call it for big schools. Obviously, Southern Miss is not there, but it's just to get back that game and to get things going in a good direction. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Jackson on that one. No disrespect to Northwestern State, but – this is a one that Southern Miss needs. Both of these teams are 0 2. They're both going to be hungry, but at the end of the day, it's this is a this is this is a game to get you ready, get you prepared, get your mind right uh, for the game plan that you're going to go into against Tulane. Yeah, Northwestern State. Uh, they dropped their opening matchup against Montana. Um, got destroyed, um, and then came home, I believe, and played. It was at home they played Grambling. So they lost to Montana 47 to 0 and then got beat by Grambling 47 to 21. And now they're traveling to Southern Miss. Um, I, you know, so I think it's interesting. So I talked, we're going to have uh, Patrick Netherton on in just a little bit. He's the play by play caller of Northwestern State. Um, and he talked about the quarterback um, for Northwestern State. He's actually uh, a transfer. Uh, from Kansas and when he played at Kansas he never ever he played at Kansas for five years and he never got on the field he never even threw a pass until he transferred to Northwestern State so Patrick was saying that just even though he is a rookie or not a rookie even though he's a six-year starting quarter a six-year player in college football a six-year quarterback he still is basically a, a rookie for Northwestern State so just want to get y'all's opinion on what y'all think for uh, Miles Fallon, who's the quarterback for Northwestern State. What I mean, it, you know, he, he he goes out there and they don't score against Montana. They score 21 against Grambling. But Southern Miss's defense is definitely better than both of those teams. So I, I'm, I don't know about y'all, but I just don't know how Northwestern State is going to move the ball against the Southern Miss defense. Maybe, uh, Jackson, you can come in on that. Yeah, I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but I know that he has fewer touchdowns than he does interceptions, which is not a good stat you want to have against teams like Montana and Grambling. Southern Miss, obviously, they were able to hold Miami in check for most of that game, and Miami is a pretty good football team. They even held Liberty in check for most of that game. Liberty's a pretty good football team. They're better football teams than Montana and Grambling right now, so... It's going to be a struggle for Northwestern State. They're going to have to try and somehow get the run game going. Maybe a couple QB scrambles. We've seen that be a weakness of the Southern Miss defense in the past two games. So it'll be interesting. They're going to have to get creative. Their coaches are going to have to schematically find mismatches for that Austin Armstrong defense. It'll be intriguing to see if they're able to achieve that. Yeah, I think it's probably – 
the hardest uh, <laughs> opponent for them this year and definitely talking about Southern Miss defense. Um, it won't be an easy test. When uh, we were in Miami, you know, um, we heard Luke Cheney talking about Tyler Van Dyke being, you know, potential like Heisman candidate. Southern Miss defense was making that um, questionable. I'll say that. Like, they were pressuring him. They were making him uncomfortable. He never looked like um, what he was advertised, at least in that game. But that's, a, that's you know, that's just Southern Miss's defense. So this is going to be, you know, one of the top defenses in the nation, I believe, like uh, when you compare st stats with each other. And this is going to be their uh, toughest test. Yeah, that's pretty much what I think the whole entire game comes down to. But the, this game is about is the Northwestern State offense versus the Southern Miss defense and how that looks on either side, you know. Um, can Southern Miss defense look like it has all season? And will Northwestern State figure out any sense of offense in this game? And I, I doubt that. I don't see it happening, especially after how USM com competed with Miami last week, uh, defensively specifically. So I'm just going to – it's, it's going to be a tough game for Northwestern State. I don't want to say, say the same things y'all said a thousand times, but it's a tough one. And I, uh, I'm looking at the Northwestern State offense versus that Southern Miss defense. And, and something to comment here, I think it's important, like anytime you have this FCS, FBS opponent, um, it's important for Southern Miss not to just use this game as a, you know, okay, we're going to win and we don't really need to prepare for it because there's been several times, you know, that FCS opponents will come into Southern Miss and not to Southern Miss, but just to an FBS school. And this is this is the game of the season, regardless of what their previous record was, right? And they're coming in here trying to uh, upset a, a Southern Miss team. Um, but I think that this game is different than that. I think this is this game to me is more about Southern Miss than it is about Northwestern State. Uh, this is a game to get Zach Wilkie in sync with this offense. Um, and I would argue, I, I mean, I think that regardless of what the score is, I think Wilkie should stay in most of the game. I really do. I think that especially with um, Brandon Hayes now out for the season and, you know, the depth start came out yesterday and Latrell Jones is going to start uh, at wide receiver. We saw against Miami what, you know, Charlie was talking about this in last podcast or the last Prince Pickham we had um, that like, we're not, they're not able to get the wide receivers going if they're running the Superback offense. And once they got, you know, Zach Wilkie out there throwing the ball, you really saw what these receivers can do. And I think that this is the game that Wilkie can get really, really in sync with these wide receivers. Charlie, maybe you can comment on that. And then Nathan Jackson, you can jump in after that. Yeah, one of Jason Brownlee's best games last year was against Grambling State because it was probably the most successful the pass was, except Jake Lang's uh, game against Rice last year. So, I mean, this is going to be a game where they can test out, you know, and give give the guys their targets because um they haven't seen those targets really like at all in the past couple uh couple games and I mean Liberty you know I think what eight passing attempts outside of the Superbacks and then last uh week still 16 completions but a lot more and you saw even what guys uh did with those targets um, Demarcus Jones was an example, only got, I don't remember the target, but caught that one for 36 yards, you know, um, it's just good to see that again in Southern Miss's offense. And, uh, I think running will be a big part of this game too, but it's the time to test out what you can do through the air, especially with Wilkie. 
Yeah, if I could just add to that. Um, it's definitely going to be a big way to kind of get your wide receivers going. We know Brownlee can play. We think we're pretty sure casting can play. We just haven't actually, I guess, seen it consistently on a football field. That would be a big opportunity for him. It'll be a good opportunity to get Frog involved and some of the other guys. Latrell Jones, he goes by Frog. Um, Demarcus Jones, like you just said. It's good to get those guys going. However, I think this will be a more run-heavy attack. That might be a preview for later. So they might throw it in the first half and then go full run second half. But it's definitely definitely a great opportunity to get all your guys involved, get them some reps, get them some targets so they can go forward in the Sun Belt play and against Tulane. Yeah, it's – I love the idea of, you know – giving Wilkie his opportunity to go out there and shine and let these receivers do what they, what people think they can do. But I think this game has to be a game where Southern Miss figures out what style offense they want to play all season. This is, I know you want to, you want to see the crazy shot plays and, and the, 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 the ability from these receivers, but this team is built on its running backs and that running back depth. And I think that we're going to see a lot of that on top of the pass. I think they're going to build the passing game off that running game. And like Jackson said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some early throws, uh, but as the game progresses, I think the the, the running backs are just going to dominate this game and prove that they're the, the best athletes uh, on the, on the field at that time. So I think this is more about being in balance than letting Wilkie just go crazy and try and let him win the entire game. Uh, so that's what I think. Yeah. And obviously, you know, I, I don't really know how much, you know, Southern Miss fans in general are probably looking at this game saying, okay, we win this. And then Tulane is the game where, you know, we, we, we really see what this team is doing. Cause now um, we're going to, cause Tulane, you know, I don't know how you compare them and Liberty. I don't know what y'all's comments on that are, but you know, Tulane is a very, you know, it's a good matchup for Southern Miss and it's going to be a great game next weekend and this weekend, in my opinion. And I think that you've got to get your offense, just like you're saying, Nathan, you know, you got to get your offense ready to go and what you're going to run against Tulane because by week four, you need to figure it out. It can't be what we need to be doing. It, you know, it can't be, well, maybe we run this, maybe we run that, maybe we run this, maybe we run that. And I think that, so, you know, Tulane, they beat Massachusetts 42 to 10, uh, to start the season. Then last week they played Alcorn State and beat them 52-0. Um, so, you know, Tulane hasn't played an opponent like Southern Miss yet. I would say that Southern Miss could definitely beat you, Massachusetts 42-10 and definitely beat uh, Alcorn State 52-0. Um, but this week they're going to go to Kansas State, which I think will be a very good test to see just how good this Tulane team is and something that I think all of us will be kind of keeping an eye on um, this weekend as we go to the Rock and watch uh, Northwestern State, Southern Miss, but just want to get y'all's comment on this. So the the depth chart came out, you know, uh, yesterday, and so Zach Wilkie's the clear number one, but Will Hall also said that Ty Keys is 100% back from injury. Do you think he'll be involved? Will Hall did not comment on this. Do you think he'll be involved Saturday? Um, and if he is, do you think that that is a smart thing? I absolutely think that we're going to see Ty Keys on Saturday. He, uh, one of us asked him about it yesterday's practice, and he really danced around. He said he's not going to give it away uh, ahead of the game. So uh, I think we might see Ty Keys late in the game, maybe even early in the game. They might alternate drives or something like that. We'll probably see the super back as well. Um, is it a smart decision? Eh, probably. Uh, we kind of know what we have with the super back, so I don't really care much to see that. But 
if you want to get Ty Keys involved, maybe late, get him a couple throws, get him back. I don't necessarily have a problem with that if the game is out of reach, uh, because Zach Wilkie's probably not going to be throwing the ball that much late anyway. If it's a blowout, like we might think it's going to be, like it probably should be. So I don't necessarily have a problem with that. But do I think we'll see both of them? Absolutely. If this is the game to try, like, I, I, I guess go ahead and, you know, do it because I don't think it's that smart of an idea going forward. Um, just, you know, you look at I, – I can only think of really one team in the pros that has really perfected that, and I don't even have to say who they are. Any other uh, team that has tried it, it really doesn't work out. I think it's, like, honestly disruptive to the flow of the offense. And that might just be, you know, my couch um, statement. But I remember watching uh, Matt Nagy coach the Bears last year. That was a mess with um, what they were trying to do. So stuff like that doesn't need to be, you know, unless they find, like, a way to put him in just for, you know, a play or something, bring him in, you know, kind of like that Taysom uh, package. But I don't, you know, I don't think that's what uh, Takis was brought here for. So it's definitely going to be interesting, though. Are we going to see it? Yes. Do Is it a good idea? No. And I think it's a bad idea for the simple fact. Y'all know the saying, if you got two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. And when you're building a team, when you have a performance like you did, when Southern Miss has a performance like they did against Miami, and, and, and Wilkie looks confident, Wilkie looks composed, he looks calm on that field, and I, I've never been in a locker room. I've never been in, on a football team. But for me, I would think that would fire up a locker room. We got a guy that's not afraid of the moment, you know. And then you you try and bring out the guy that, no offense to Tykees, that can't stay healthy. You bring him out every now and then to get a play in, in or two. But it's like, like Charlie said, it just feels like it'll mess up the flow. And, and it feels like if they're going to go with Wilkie, you got to either do it or don't, you know, like give this dude his opportunity right now. Cause I don't think he's done anything to lose the job at all. So I, I don't, I don't think it's a good idea, but I, I imagine we will see Ty Keys in the game. I tweeted out um, when I was actually in the airport in Las Vegas, uh, thinking about this very discussion um, about how it to be, Two quarterback system. I, I said, would a two beat quarterback system be so bad for Southern Miss? It seems like that Ty could run the super back and Zach could run the passing game. Now, I'm obviously not sold, but I'm just going to read some of these replies because I think some of them had good insight. So, Attack Eagle said um, that I'll take two QBs versus no QBs like last year, a year. I see that as a good problem to have. Both young and talented compete this week and both play, name a starter to roll with for Tulane, but let them con constantly compete will only make them better. Uh, Jason Bailey uh, said that they're they're good players. Why wouldn't you want all your good players to play? Um, somebody said that I, they liked that more than the Superback. And somebody said that it doesn't matter what they run against Northwestern State. Um, the real test will be next weekend against Tulane, I think, as we all um, said. And some people just said, well, we don't care if it's a 10 quarterback system. We want, you know, to be uh as long as they win. <laughs> uh, but somebody also said what Nathan, you're saying, if you have the two QBs, you don't have one, you know? Um, so I think it's mixed, mixed reaction from Southern Miss fans. Um, and, but I do think that I'm not necessarily against, you know, you know, Wilkie, maybe a, a drive keys, maybe a drive Wilkie, a drive keys, maybe a drive 
just so you can have a starter going into Tulane. And then have your starter for Tulane and stick with them, like Nathan's saying. If you're going to go with one guy, go with them. Don't worry about, quote-unquote, hurting the other player's feelings. Whatever it may be, you have to stick with them. And um, because it's just to build that chemistry. And, and, like, in my opinion, what I would do is I would play Wilkie the whole game. The, the time that Wilkie was in in the beginning of the Miami game, the first half, that is the most chemistry on the offense that I've seen. Uh, in probably two or three years, honestly, if we're really thinking about it. Like, that is the most consistent the offense has looked in the past couple of years. And and I think everybody who saw that saw it, you know. Um, now, the run game's a different story, but I do think, like, you know, I think we all think that the run game's going to be fine against Northwestern State. But um, I do think that it's important to go with who's going to put you in the better position to win. And if that's Wilkie, go with them. If that's Keys, go with them. But you have to make that decision. And maybe we see both of them. Maybe we really do. But I really think that you have to just, just like what Nathan said, go with the guy who's going to put you in the best position to win. And maybe that they don't know that yet. And maybe this is the game where they try to figure that out. But I think by Tulane, are we all in agreement, gentlemen, that they need to figure it out by Tulane? Yes. Like Charlie said, this is the test game if they do it. Right. <clears throat> Um, also, I just want to mention on the depth chart, uh, so Chiron Barnes, who's the right tackle, he's now starting right tackle um, this week on the game three depth chart. We actually had him on, um, on 4th Street, um, and I th- think we're doing an article on him. I don't, I think, I can't remember who's doing it. Maybe Jackson's doing it, but yeah, Jackson's doing it. Maybe you could just comment on your guy right there, getting the starting job of right tackle. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to see. Uh, he beat out, I believe it was Paul Gaynor Jr., a uh, redshirt senior. Uh, very interesting. Uh, Kyron Barnes is one of the guys preseason that Will Hall said would probably play sooner rather than later. Uh, I'm a bit surprised it was this soon. So it's definitely good to see him get some playing time. We had him and Cameron in studio. They're 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 just model examples, you know. They're they're. They're just guys you want to be around, and it's really good to see the young guy get some love this early on. For sure, for sure, for sure. Um, I I think that that might be all that we're going to talk about Northwestern State, unless any of you have anything else to add to that. Um, but we will have on, uh, and just right now I can preview this interview, we're going to have on Patrick Netherton. Uh, he's the play-by-play caller for the Northwestern State Demons. He's actually done it for about 20 years now. He's entering, this is his 20th season, I believe, uh, this season. And I can tell you right now that he knows way more about Northwestern State than any of the four of us in this in this uh, podcast. So uh, just enjoy this interview with him. It's about 15 minutes long, and it's just good stuff just to give you um, players on the offense. Um, you're going to hear names like, uh, you know, Scooter Adams, who's their leading rusher. He had a thousand yard season a couple of years ago. Um, then you're going to hear more about uh, Fallon um, and just his story. You're going to hear just some good stuff from a person who, who sees, you know, way more from Northwestern state than any of the four of us do. Um, so enjoy that interview. And on the flip side of that, we'll come back with our picks and get into Prince Pickham episode so enjoy this interview with Patrick Netherton. Looking for the place to be at Mondays at 5? Look no further than 4th Street Sports. Welcome back. It's Dima uh, here live in the room with Patrick Netherton. Uh, he's the play-by-play caller of Northwestern State. Patrick, how are we doing today? Uh, we're good. We're good. Just getting ready for the road trip. 
yeah, so Northwestern State and kind of in the same boat as Southern Miss, two uh, tough losses there, 0-2 to start the season. Um, how, how do you think that the players and maybe the coaches and maybe the fans uh, are coming into this game, what they're expecting from Southern Miss, uh, how, what they know about Southern Miss? Uh, just just, just kind of go through that. Well, I think that's three different groups of people that, that probably have some different viewpoints. Um, you know, the players and coaches are, are kind of in lockstep. You know, this is all pre-conference. Um, you, you don't like where you're at. You don't like being 0-2. But at the at the same time, it is, it's you know, the sky's not falling. It's, it's not the season's over with. Whereas for a lot of fans, it's okay, here we go again. The Demons have not had a winning season in a long time. And so, you know, the feeling is, okay, well, here's just another, you know, non-winning season. But the players aren't really buying into that necessarily. The players are of the belief that, hey, this is, you know, it's two games in. You learn your lessons from those games. You go into a, a very tough, sub, you know, play Southern Miss, who is also pretty, uh, you know, pretty unhappy with where they are. So, uh, you know, you take these these games for what they are. They're lessons and they're they're teachable and then you turn around and starting next week when conference play begins, that's when you really want to get focused in and hopefully start to see the results from these first three weeks. And Northwestern State's quarterback, Miles Fallon, uh, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Miles Fallon, uh, last game, 268 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, could you just talk about him and and he, he's 6'5", 220. That's a pretty big quarterback. Uh, just talk about him, his skill set, and uh, what Southern Miss fans could be expecting from him on Saturday night. Well, his is an interesting story. He was at Kansas. He, uh, he was there for five years and never started a game, never threw a pass. Um, pretty amazing perseverance. He, he leaves Kansas. He comes to Northwestern State. And so this really is his rookie season when, when it, you know, it's his first year, basically because he's been around for a long time. He's a six-year quarterback, but he's never thrown a pass in a game. So, you know, you look at Fallon, you go, this is a guy that's got, got tons and tons of knowledge. He knows what he's doing, but he just hasn't experienced it during the game. Uh, so, you know, so far, I think you're seeing some, some incremental growth. He, he threw, you know, uh, uh, in, against Montana in week one, he threw some nice passes. He threw one bad interception. I guess Grambling, he threw two bad interceptions, but he also threw some some nice passes. So it's a growing process for this kid. He is big. Um, he was the leading rusher by design against Grambling. He's he's even though he's he's tall, he's got some mobility. So I um, you know I, I think you're seeing him kind of get a little better. Um, you know the coordinator, the offense coordinator mentioned that he he's looked really good in practice this week. He's making the correct reads. He's making the correct checks. And the thing that I think everyone needs to remember, you know, NSU fans especially, is this kid is basically a rookie. And it's, it's you know, you got to remember to be patient with a kid like that. It's not like he's a three-year veteran who's played for, you know, and, and seen all the, the, the live bullets, so to speak. This is a kid that's that's kind of brand new, even though he's been around for six years. So, his growth is going to be what it is, and then hopefully you know, by the time conference play starts next week, he'll kind of have enough of it figured out to go out and be effective. Yeah, and for Southern Miss, I know that their strength this season has been their defense. Um, you know, last week they, they shut down Miami's offense for at least the first two quarters, um, and then 
in the versus the Liberty game, you know, they, they shut down a pretty high powered offense until overtime mm-hmm. where both teams can score pretty easily. But just how does the Demons offense match up, do you think, against this Southern Miss defense? You know, it's hard to say. And that's the thing that's that's kind of mysterious about this team is we still don't really know what this offense is going to look like. Uh, you know, they've had parts of success. They've had moments of success, but they haven't had any sustained success. And what, you know, what does it look like when you have a good seven, eight, nine play drive? We haven't really seen that yet out of this offense. We've seen some plays here and there. We've seen a few drives here and there, but we haven't seen anything that's, that's has any sort of sustained ability. So I think that's the big question mark. You know, we know Southern Miss is, is a good defense. You saw what they did to Miami and Liberty. Uh, you know, what, what does the NSU offense look like, especially considering the fact that, you know, they're working on their second coordinator in a month. Um, you know, their, their offensive coordinator they brought in, resigned, and uh, interestingly just took a job in the XFL. But, uh, you know, now the, the offensive coordinator who's done it before, he's called plays, the Bo Blair is also the offensive line coach. The guy knows what he's doing. It's just a matter of now they need to get used to him. He needs to get used to them. And, and you know, when does that sort of uh, – when does the light switch go on? And, you know, like you said, he said in, in this week in practice they've looked really good and made all the right checks and the right reads and all that. So, you know, maybe that's starting to get over the hill and, and you know, starting to find that flow that they're looking for. And, again, just in time for conference season. Yeah, and who who are some players that you can name besides Miles um, mm-hmm. on the offense that Southern Miss fans would be like, oh, yeah, that's the guy that we're seeing a lot? Yeah, you're going to see uh, Scooter Adams, who's the running back, who um, ran for nearly 1,000 yards a couple of years ago, got injured last year after a couple of games. Um, he's not gotten untracked yet, but he's a weapon. He gets in the open field. You're not catching him. He's He's really good. Uh, on the outside is a kid named Javon Antonio, who wears number one. Uh, big, tall, thick receiver, good hands. Uh, you'll see him especially uh, down in the, the red zone. They like to throw to him and, you know, let him go win a, win a one-on-one matchup, that kind of thing. Uh, and then there's, a, there's, you know, a whole bevy of new receivers that are, that are in here. Uh, a guy named Zach Patterson who wears number 10. He's a good, shifty, fast uh, kid. So uh, you're going to see, a, for me, a lot of new faces, uh, in addition to Antonio, who sat out all of last year, and Scooter Adams, who missed most of last year with an injury. Uh, you're you're going to see some, some guys that can do it. The question is, can the offensive line hold up, which there's been some reshuffling on that. And uh, if the O-line holds up, can they give Fallon time? If they do, can Fallon find the right place to go? make the throw and execute everything. But yeah, Scooter Adams in the backfield and and uh, John Antonio on the outside. Those are the two biggest names to watch out for. Moving to the other side of the ball. I know you said that Miles is like a rookie for <laughs> Northwestern State. For Southern Miss, they'll be starting freshman quarterback Zach Wilkie, who got his first start last week against Miami. Um, mm-hmm. Southern Miss went through a ton of quarterbacks last year, and now they're already on their um, – Third, third person who took a snap in the game because Frank Gore Jr. took a snap, a few snaps sure. from the superback offense. So just talk a little bit about the Demons' defense and uh, what Southern Miss fans can expect from them. So uh, Northwestern State defensively is aggressive. Uh, they're going to be in your face. They're going to come after you. They want to pressure the quarterback. Um, what we've seen from NSU is, by and large, uh, the big plays have been what have hurt them, especially in that Grambling game. They gave up 
four passes, three or four passes over 70 yards. They gave up a run over 60. Um, you know, the problem with a defense that is is so aggressive like that is when they do break down, if there's a mental breakdown, it results in a big play. And unfortunately, against Grambling, all of those big plays went for touchdown. So, uh, you know, otherwise, three, three of the four quarters against Grambling basically held them to nothing. The whole second half, they had 24 yards of offense, but they were already up big. So it didn't matter at that point. Um, so defensively, uh, you know, you would think you, you try to disguise some things. You try to get after a young quarterback. Um, you know, Weston Glosser's defense is predicated on, on getting in the quarterback's head, uh, making him feel pressure even when it's not there. Uh, you know, to the old uh, seeing ghosts, that's what he wants. Um, Demons haven't really gotten much pressure on the quarterback so far in two games. So we'll see if that starts to ramp up a little bit. We've seen some re uh, some movement within the defense in terms of personnel. Uh, so hopefully, you know, for NSU's sake, you see some pressure on the quarterback. You see the ability to get in and and confuse a young guy, and uh, and maybe make some mistakes happen because the the, the two things that Demons haven't done that they that they really want to do, they have not gotten turnovers uh, and they have not gotten sacks, and those are two of the big big things that Weston Glosser wants. Yeah, and so the series history for Southern Miss and Northwestern State is actually uh, pretty pretty good. It's a, so it's a perfect tie. Eleven and eleven wins for Southern Miss and eleven wins for Northwestern State. The last time Northwestern State beat Southern Miss was in 1984, when Northwestern State won 22 to zero, and Southern Miss has lost to an FCS opponent four separate times. The last one coming in 1987. Um, so just talk about what Northwestern State has to do to stay in the game or even potentially pull off the upset? You know, it's interesting. NSU actually is one of the, I want to say they're either second or third in the FCS now. I'm not sure that the, the, everything moves so fast, but they're, uh, they're one of the top uh, in beating FBS opponents. And a lot of that is, you know, you go beat ULM, you go beat, uh, you know, a Southern Miss that beat TCU back in 01. Um you know, look, it's like anything else, right, in these types of games. You need turnovers. Uh, you're going to need short fields. You'll, you'll, you'll need to, to have, you know, superior play on your side. And you'll need, um, you know, the, the, the bigger opponent, the higher level opponent to struggle a little bit. So um, is it possible? Sure. Um, do I think it's going to happen? Not likely. But Again, you never know. That's why, you know, that's why App State goes down to Texas A&M and plays that game because you just never know. Um, I think that the components at Northwestern State are there to pull an upset. We just haven't seen any of that coalesce yet. But it's first-year coordinator on offense, first-year coordinator on defense, 30 guys out of the portal. Um, so I think it's just going to take time, and people don't have patience anymore. Um, you know, we're firing coaches after a year. Um, people don't have patience for, for hey, you, you need some time to pull everything together. So while I think they have the capability to beat Southern Miss, I'm going to need to see something out of them that we haven't yet seen. Uh, force a bunch of turnovers, you know, confuse a young quarterback, find a way to, to slow down the super back offense, and then you know, make some big plays offensively with some guys that are weapons you know, gap somebody, get somebody looking in the wrong direction, uh, have a defender make a mental mistake and you break a big play. Do that and you can you can pull this upset. I firmly believe Northwestern State has the talent and ability to do it. They just haven't shown any sort of, co they haven't coalesced yet. 
And so I just don't know that that's going to be the case on Saturday. Fingers crossed, obviously, for us. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, thanks so much for coming on. Do you have anything else you want to add at the end there? Um, well, I will just say, um, you know, any any um, any places I need to hit in Hattiesburg, what's the good what's the good food? I'm always I'm a big uh, win the road trip guy. Mm. Uh, even if you don't win the game, you should always win the road trip. So what's what's the good uh, what's the best food I need to hit while I'm in Hattiesburg? Well, I would definitely say um, if you're looking for some Cajun, you know, Louisiana style food, Crescent City to ride off. I mean, I'm not sure I'm going to drive from Louisiana to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, looking for some Cajun food. So give me something <laughs> that's ha- that give me something that's in Hattiesburg that that's you know that's more uh, more y'all's y'all stuff than my stuff. Yeah, so there's a great um, Italian restaurant um, near campus. It's called Mario's. I think the cook himself okay. is actually from uh, New York. Uh, okay, so cool. There's two locations from there. Um, and then there's a nice Thai restaurant. It's a it's about 10 minutes from campus. It's called Jutama's. Um, okay. That's a great spot. As far as like um, bars, you know, there's the 4th Street Bar, which is right there on Southern Miss's campus. And then you have, uh, you know, obviously mug shots and uh, right there, dry, like walking distance almost from Southern Miss. And then right across the street from Southern Miss, you have what's called the Midtown. Uh, they recently renovated that. Um, and has several restaurants, um, mainly chain restaurants, but there's a few restaurants there that are Southern Miss restaurants. And then right across the street from campus, there's a new pizza place. It's called a Fat Boys Pizza, and the pizza slices are literally bigger than your face. <laughs> like it's I have a pretty big part. face, so I know I do too. I, I like to hear that. Yeah, you know, it's it's unbelievable how big they are. All so. right, good. See, like like I said, we're all about. Uh, we're we're probably going to go hit. Uh, hit the shed down in ocean springs okay. uh one of those because i'm a big barbecue guy yeah. um so i'm actually wearing my one of my barbecue shirts right now so uh yeah i think we're gonna hit the shed down in ocean springs but uh definitely need something for for that thursday friday night yeah. and uh i think yeah i think that's uh that's good i like those suggestions we're gonna definitely win the road trip even if we don't win the game <laughs> yeah patrick thanks so much for coming on fourth street and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you there in Hattiesburg on Saturday evening. Sounds good. Uh, Mo Dogs, that's really what it is. Bro. This is 4th Street, and we got Mo Dogs on 88.5 this year. All right, back on 4th Street, in the room with Charlie, Jackson, and Nathan. We are missing Austin today, but he will be joining us hopefully next week, but he'll definitely be at the game on Saturday. Gentlemen, we are going to do something different just before we make the Northwestern State Southern Miss pick. I want to give get each of you a bold prediction that you see happening on Saturday. Um, Now, a bold prediction is something that may not happen, but it is at least plausible that it could happen. Like, obviously, I don't think any of us is going to, like, predict Zach Wilkie to throw for, like, 850 yards, you know. So, um, but I do want to hear just a bold prediction that you could see on Saturday. Let's go with uh, Austin first because he sent his in. He said that Southern Miss wins in a shutout, so kind of just previewing his score. And then Wilkie throws for 400 yards plus. So Austin leaning into the passing game this weekend against the Demons. Uh, So, gentlemen, Charlie, why don't you start us off? What's your bold prediction this weekend? So maybe I'm not that bold because it isn't going to sound that bold, but I'm going to go with Frank Gore Jr. gets his first 200-yard game in his collegiate career. Add a couple uh, touchdowns to that tally, too. Yeah, 
I kind of differ from Austin, definitely. My bold prediction is that we will have four, at least four, 100-yard rushers, and we will have, or Southern Miss will have fewer than 200 passing yards. So how's that for a bold prediction? That, so you're saying, like, you know, Frank gets 100, obviously. Who's the other three backs so you, you could see getting 100? Probably a guy like Janari Dean, uh, Dejan Rashard is probably in there. Maybe even a Kenyon Clay. Or maybe one of the super backs like Chandler Pittman uh, gets some action like that. Like I think they're just going to run it a lot. Maybe even a quarterback run. Who knows? So you're you're predicting a 400-yard-plus run down on the ground for Southern Miss? That's that's Will Hall's dream right there. He wants to run the football. And if he can achieve that and get a win – I mean, he's going to be happier than any metaphor you can think of. I respect, I respect it, y'all. I respect the, the the boldness of these picks, especially you, Jackson and Charlie, leaning in that run game. Uh, but I, I'm going to kind of lean on Austin here, not as crazy as Austin's was with the past game. Uh, but I think you obviously, I think USM pulls the win off. And Wilkie throws for 250 yards, three touchdowns, and has a completion percentage of over 70%. That is my bold prediction. That is good. Everybody's going with the offense except for me. I'm going to go on the defensive side here. I think that, first off, that the Northwestern State offense is not good at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to be disrespectful to them, but because I, I know that they've gone through several coordinators, but I really think that the Southern Miss defense is going to rise to the occasion. I'm going to go in on a specific player. I'm going to say Dalen Gill gets four sacks, four plus sacks in this game. And the Southern Miss defense, obviously, I'm going to predict them to get uh, two plus turnovers. So four sacks for Dalen Gill, four plus sacks for Dalen Gill, and then two plus turnovers. So that is our bold predictions for Saturday um, at the Rock. And now we will get into picks. So here on 4th Street with our picks for Northwestern State and Southern Miss. Now, there wasn't a line to this game on our normal sports book, which is uh, Caesars Sportsbook. Um, I actually was able to see Caesars Sportsbook while I was in Las Vegas. That's kind of cool. But um, but I did find the line for this game on Odds Shark. So Southern Miss is a 28.5 point favorite uh, at home. The over-under is... 47.5 so i do think that's a bit low but um let's get into our game picks i'll start with uh uh austin because he is not here and i'll give you his game pick so he has southern miss winning 31 to 0 against northwestern so he's had obviously his bold prediction is the southern miss wins in a shutout so that is um 31 to 0 so that would be covering the spread but that would be under the 47 and a half so nathan why don't you give us your game pick northwestern state and southern miss Yes, crazy game. Like y'all said, we we've previewed it before. It's it's it's. I think Southern Miss comes out and handles the business here. Uh, I got USM winning thirty eight to three. As you can tell in my background here, I'm actually scouting the demons, but I missed a turn and instead of going to Northwestern State, I actually wound up in Ruston, Louisiana. So it's actually the same place. Demons live there anyway. So previewing the Northwestern State Southern Miss game, I think this is a get back game for Southern Miss, like y'all all mentioned. I think it'll be a reasonable blowout. Um, I, but our score is almost identical, Nathan. I've got the Golden Eagles prevailing 38 to 7. 
my bad, Jackson. I thought that was Jackson, Mississippi. Um, but anyways, my prediction for this is actually not too far off of Jackson's. Um, I didn't even know the over and under, but I said 41 to 7 Southern Miss. Um, but I do think it is going to be interesting because it's like we're, we're all picking high scores, but we have not seen Southern Miss's offense score more than I think what, how many touchdowns this year? Three, if you, because the defensive touchdown in Liberty. So I think it's only three touchdowns scored uh, this season. So going into the third game. So it does have the cap- uh, potential to be a lower scoring game, though. But I think the defense is going to cause some turnovers that kind of uh, makes the score go higher. Yeah, that's a good point. Three touchdowns for sure uh, is concerning. But uh, so everybody's picking Southern Miss to cover the 28 and a half. And I am also picking Southern Miss to cover the 28 and a half. I have Southern Miss winning 48 to zero. So I have. But caveat to that, to Charlie's point. I my bold prediction of this game is that the defense goes nuts. So I think that they will have defensive scores um, as well as offensive scores. So 48 to zero, that is over the 47.5. Um, and I think Jackson and Charlie are both over that as well. Um, so uh, you're shaking your head. No, but that is our game picks. All of us across the board picking Southern Miss to cruise on Saturday night against the demons of Northwestern state. We'll be right back with more picks on Prince Pick'em Episode 3. Listening to 4th Street, you are. And back on 4th Street for Prince Pick'em Episode 3. Guys, I sent these games and I had a lot of trouble because I did not know who to pick on some of these games. And the spread is just like so close. So when I start picking these, if my scores are just wonky, it's just because I'm picking just for the spread in general. But we have a nice lineup, and we did something this week where we actually got the the, the listeners involved. We sent it out on Twitter, um, all the games. So I think Charlie's going to pull up some fan vote for us um, when we get to these games. Um, and I have Austin's pick right picks right here. He's not in the room this afternoon but uh he'll be back with us we have a new number one nathan you are now leading with 30 points can you just comment on just what it feels like to be in front i'm used to this you know i i I live with the pressure so you know i like being on top that's when i perform best so i expect to stay here for the rest of the season okay a little not only bold predictions on the northwestern state game but also being a little bold right there okay going to stay there for the rest of the season interesting all right gentlemen let's get into some picks um so let's get into this first game so like we do always we do five national picks and five sundell picks and the point the the points go for three points if you pick the spread the straight up win and the over and under correct two points if you pick get two of those right one point if you get one of those right and zero points if you get none of those right so uh let's start with oklahoma number six in the country at Nebraska, Nebraska is an 11 point underdog and the over under is set at 66. Um, last year, gentlemen, if I remind you that Nebraska almost beat Oklahoma in Norman, they just fired Scott Frost. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe that they they that that is a good thing. Um, I remember last time Nebraska fired a coach, Bo Pelini. It was not a good thing. They got annihilated by Ohio State in Nebraska. So um, but maybe this year I, I'm. I don't know about y'all. I'm kind of shocked at the 11 points. Like that just is a little crazy to me. But uh, Austin picked Oklahoma to win 56 to 21. So he has Oklahoma easily covering the 11. 
uh, points, and the over-under is set at 67, which he has that way over, 67. Charlie, why don't you give us the fan pick of Oklahoma and Nebraska, and then you can give your game pick after that. So every single fan that voted voted for Oklahoma, <laughs> So the, uh, which is actually the only other one. Um, there's only two others that have uh, 100% votes. So fans think Oklahoma is going to win. I'm going to go with the fans on this one. Um, Oklahoma hasn't played, you know, big competition yet, but just in those games, their offense has, you know, been crazy uh, looking. Marvin Mims, the receiver, everybody's starting to talk about. And for the Cornhuskers, the two games that they've played, they're uh, ranking last, near to the last in the nation in deep total defense, allowing 492 yards per game. So it just doesn't make sense. And I don't really believe it should be this close. So I have Oklahoma winning 49, Nebraska 24. Yeah, Dima, you mentioned last year that Nebraska almost beat Oklahoma, but almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. And the Cornhuskers are going to need some hand grenades to have a chance this game. Look, they just fired their coach. They're substantially worse, in my opinion, than they were last year, because at least last year they were competitive. Uh, and I don't think they were losing to Georgia Southern last year. No disrespect to them, Sunbelt represent. But I've got this relatively close. Uh, probably Nebraska scores late to make it, make it respectable. I've got Oklahoma winning 45-31, to 31, and that will be over. Not bad there, uh, old Jackson. Uh, but I, I gotta, I kind of gotta disagree. It, it would be the most Nebraska thing in the world to come out here and beat Oklahoma. It would be, it would definitely be, but I, I don't see it happening. Like Charlie said, this defense is atrocious. One of the worst. As someone who follows the Big Ten very carefully, if yeah. Nebraska wins this game, I'm going to jump <laughs> off a bridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As a Ohio State uh, hater, I, I might be rooting for Nebraska now. Uh, but no, at the end of the day, uh, Oklahoma pulls this one off, beats down Nebraska. The Cornhuskers have nothing to be happy about in this one. 49 to 17 win for Oklahoma. 49 to 17. So that is Oklahoma easily. I, I'm shocked by the 11 points. Like, I'm, I'm just shocked at that. That's crazy to me. Um, okay, so moving on. Number 22, Penn State at Auburn. Last year, Auburn went to Penn State for the wideout. Uh, Charlie, what are the fans thinking in that game? This one's interesting. Uh, fans actually have Penn State over with 56% of the votes. So, obviously, um, that line shows that, you know, the three three points. Yeah, three points. So, um, this one was close. And then I'll go ahead and get into mine. Um I mean, we we watched Penn State that first week with Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford was still, um, or yeah, Sean Sean Clifford, yeah, was still their quarterback last week. But they actually, look, they let uh, Drew Aller, who is that, um, who they gave action to the first week. He threw more touchdowns and eight attempts than Sean Clifford did the whole game, which I thought was kind of interesting. So I mean, like. It is a good situation to have because I feel like he's already impressing. So if he's not playing well against Auburn, I could see him coming in this game um, and shocking uh, Auburn. And I don't even really think it's um, shocking because Auburn's got like a pretty strong rushing attack. But I think uh, Penn State, if they can get them, force uh, Auburn to pass, Auburn hasn't had much success passing yet. So I'm going to go with Penn State 31 Auburn 
something that's kind of underrated. And I know this as an SEC follower. I follow it as about about as close as Demo follows the Big Ten is that Auburn actually has one of the best home field advantages in all of college football. It seems like when there's a big home game at Jordan Hare Stadium, it's a, it's usually an Auburn victory. So I think you take that into account. I think it might be more of an advantage than a whiteout at Penn State. That's a hot take for Big Ten Dima. I know that. Obviously, less people in the stands. But it's a, you know, it's a great environment. But you look at Auburn this year, they're down. Uh, I think Penn State's a little bit better than people think. People are kind of down on them. But I think Sean Clifford, the big red dog, comes into Auburn and they get a narrow victory, 24-17, to 17, and that will be under. Yeah, this one is interesting, like Dima said. I'm not high on either one of these teams. I, I don't like either one of these teams. I don't think either one of these teams are really going to compete anywhere uh, down the line this season. Uh, but SEC versus Big Ten, I'm weird about Penn State this year. I will, the only thing that I will say is if – Drew Aller comes in this game, Penn State will win. But I'm picking this as if Sean Clifford is the guy and will stay the guy throughout the entire game. Got Auburn winning 23-17. to 17. Auburn 23-17. That's, that's still under. I don't think I picked Oklahoma-Nebraska, so I'll just do that really quickly. But my Oklahoma-Nebraska pick 41-24, to 24, so that's under the 66. Um, but for this game, uh, I see kind of what y'all saying. I see a very low-scoring game. This is going to be a very defensive game. Uh, that's why the over under is at forty seven point five. I think that I think that that's probably about right. Um, I think I think Auburn plays well. I think Penn State uh, with Sean Clifford does what Penn State does and scores a game winning drive to take the lead, and then their defense shows up with that secondary. So I have Penn State winning twenty one seventeen. That would be under the forty seven and a half. Uh, Austin has Penn State winning thirty one to twenty four, and that would be over the 47 and a half if I can do math correctly so moving on number 12 BYU versus Oregon it's on the road in Oregon Oregon's a three and a half point favorite the over under set at 58 last week BYU beat a top 10 ranked opponent which I predicted correctly I just want to point that out Um, but Charlie what is the fan vote looking so right now 81 percent of the votes are going to BYU um and I'm going to have to agree with that just based off of the comp, uh, the first game we saw with Oregon. I mean, uh, even they were even struggling, uh, I think, last week. Or I might be um, confusing my games. But I can't pick against um, BYU. I mean, I picked uh, Baylor to win that game. And BYU was missing, I think, their top two receivers, you know, and were still able to go uh, and beat Baylor. So, I think it's interesting that Oregon is right now the favorites to beat. Uh, of course, they're at home, but I think BYU is going to win this in a close game, 27-23. Yeah, like you said, Charlie, it's a little bit surprising that Oregon is favored in this game. Obviously, their home game. First of two games to preview the next game where the lower-ranked team is actually favored. First of three, actually, but we'll get to that later. Look. BYU beat a really good Baylor team last week. At least I think they're really good. Took them to overtime. It was actually a game that I fell asleep before it ended because we were in Eastern time and we were sleepy. But I think BYU is a good team. And I just think it's a federal crime to 
pick a team with Bo Picks as their starting quarterback. So I've got BYU winning this one 31 to 28, and that will be over according to my calculations. Yeah, yeah. Talking about crimes. Whoever made this spread should go to go to prison because there's no way in no way that Oregon pulls this one off, in my opinion. I'm never I'm not high on Oregon. I, I don't dislike the ducks, but I think that uh, BYU is a legitimate team this year. I like their quarterback a lot. Uh, I don't think BYU is on top five status yet, but they're, they've are they been going that direction for the past four or five years now. feels like they've finally got a team that can compete with some certain teams, and I, I, think, it's, uh, I think it's a pretty easy game for them. A little, a little closer, but uh, uh, nothing, nothing too close. 34-21 BYU win. So that would be – I think that's, is that over or is that under? That looks under. It's under. Um, so Austin picked BYU to win 21 to 14 over Oregon. So that would be covering that spread, obviously, because Oregon's favorite. Yeah, I don't understand how Oregon's favorite in this game. After watching them just get annihilated versus Georgia, I, I mean, BYU is a very good team. I've been high on them all year, as y'all both of y'all all know. Um, I have them winning 31 to 28. I do think Austin Stadium does give them a, a little bit of a home field advantage. Um, so I, but, but I do have BYU winning and that's over the 58 uh, next game. Number 11, Michigan state at Washington. Washington is a three and a half point favorite. The over under is set at 56.5. Charlie, what is the fan vote? And then you can give your pick. 100% Michigan state. And so far, I've been going with the fans. I've already seen that that's not true for everyone, though. Um, But, you know, I really don't know too much about these teams, being honest. But I do know that Michigan State's defensive front has been really, like, physical, getting a lot of sacks. And um, Washington does have some success early in passing game. But there's not really too much to um, base off of their competition yet. So I think I think it is interesting this um line, but I'm gonna go with uh, Michigan State um winning 34 Washington 28 and the series the series history is also uh, interesting too. Yeah, this is definitely an interesting matchup. You got Michigan State. Michigan State ranked at number 11, I believe, and Washington unranked. Michigan State coming off a pretty good year last year. They had uh, I think it was nine or ten wins but they had Kenneth Walker go off they had 11 wins okay well it's better than I thought it was I know they were good and then Washington's been kind of down as of late ever since Chris Peterson stepped away I think this is a close game I don't know why Washington's favored I don't know if they have that big of a home field advantage up there in the Pacific Northwest but I do think it's going to be a really close game I've got Michigan State maybe winning pulling away late with a late score they win 27 to 26, and I've got that being under. Uh, Tuck, Tuck's coming, right? right old Dima, you, you, you afraid of old Michigan State on your heels? I, I personally don't even answer that. I don't think you have to worry. I, I would say this is upset, but Washington's favored. I got Washington, y'all. Michael Penix Jr., I really like him. I liked him when he was with Indiana. He, he's a good quarterback, finally getting that opportunity, uh, opportunity again to start for a team. Uh, Michigan State is very good defensively, like Charlie said. The defensive line is it's got some skill. Um, but I, it's got this weird feeling about this Washington team. I don't think they're a top ten team or nothing, but I definitely don't think Michigan State's a number eleven team in the country personally. So I, I got a close, gritty 
late scoring game where they start exploding that fourth quarter, 31 to 28 Washington. I wanted to add too about the series history. The last time they faced off, apparently, according to Winspedia, was 1997 when uh, Nick Saban was their head coach and Washington won uh, 51 23 against uh, Nick Saban. So, and they they favor the series 2 1. So, not much history, not much to go off of here. Yeah, um, Austin has uh, Michigan State winning 27 to 24. Uh, so that would be a cover there, and then that would be uh, under the 56 and a half. I am with Nathan. Um, I've I follow Michigan State close, so I I know that um, you know the first two games you can't really draw whether or not they're a good team yet. But I do know that you know Michael Penix Jr. has been slinging the ball for Washington. It's at home. It's a primetime game, probably the biggest game in Washington football for 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 a while now. Um, and Michigan State secondary is awful they were awful last year just awful last year like it was so bad like it was awful and we do not know if that is better this year yet they do not know that yet um and i really think this is the game where they get tested a lot my the last time uh michigan uh, michael Penix, michael Penix jr has had his best games against michigan state in his career at indiana before he transferred um so i have i have washington comfortably here 32 to 20 um, but that's still under the 56 and a half. I know I said I was going to have weird scores, but 32 to 20. So they would score uh, 32 to 20. So next game, Miami at Texas A&M. The A&M is favored by six points. The over-under is set at 44. So obviously the odds makers at least think it'll be a close game. Charlie, what is the fan vote? So I think after watching Miami last week, Southern Miss fans changed their uh, mind because they picked Texas A&M 65%. And for the first time, I'm going to have to disagree with them. I think last week, Southern Miss just caught uh, Miami off guard. And I know I did say, you know, Tyler Van Dyke didn't look as great as advertised. But what did look as good as advertised was their run game. Um, and I think they probably have one of the better ru- Russian attacks in the nation. Um and, I mean, if you look at um, what Texas A&M uh, did against App State, I mean, App State, it was so, such a weird season for them so far, but um, allowed, you know, 60-plus points and then comes around and uh, holds them to 14. Um, I don't know what Texas A&M is capable of, so I'm going to go with what I am uh, knowledgeable of, and that is Miami's run game. So I got Miami winning 28, uh, Texas A&M 24. My stance on this is the X factor is the Texas A&M defense because I think they have a better defense than Miami. Even though Miami shut down Southern Miss, I think Texas A&M would have shut them down even more. And then you look at Miami's offense, I believe Xavier Restrepo has been ruled out. He was kind of Tyler Van Dyke's safety blanket uh so to speak. I believe they're also roommates, so Van Dyke's not going to have that rapport. He's probably going to be made uncomfortable, and I think the Aggies are going to kind of zone in on that Miami run game. I think it's a relatively low-scoring game. I know the over-under is kind of low on this, but I think Texas A&M wins. I think they cover. I think it's 28-21, to 21 and they bounce back from that embarrassing loss. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with Charlie and, and- 
I honestly have some points that I agree with you too, Jackson, but score-wise, game-wise, I'm, I'm, I'm going to agree with Charlie. I think Miami got caught off guard. I think when they were looking at their schedule, they saw an A&M team that's been talking all the smack of all, all, all offseason about Alabama and how they're going to beat them, how they're going to win the SEC, go to the playoffs. And then, my, and then A&M gets caught off guard. Miami halfway gets caught off guard in that first half. They figure it out in the second half, overcome what they were battling in that adversity. And I think that's going to give Miami some juice. I think Miami is going to come into this game saying, uh, we didn't play the best, but we still have one of the better quarterbacks in the league. We still have one of the best running attacks in the league. Again, going against this Texas A&M defense is going to be tough for them, especially after facing USM defense. That's pretty good, but it's not A&M defense. So with that all being said, I, I got Miami. I think Miami comes in uh, riding that high wave. You know, maybe they didn't play good, uh, as good as they wanted to against us, but they handled their business. Now they're looking forward. They play in a team that lost to a team they shouldn't have lost to. Well, they almost lost to a team that they shouldn't have lost lost to. So I think Miami comes in more juiced up, more ready. I think AM gets caught off guard again. Miami wins 27 to 20. Austin has Texas AM winning 24 to 14. So that would be under the 44. Um, so I, I'm going to agree with Jackson. I think that this is the classic Texas A&M bounce back and they just come in there and eviscerate Miami. But it is Miami. So, you know, I think that they're a good team. But nothing last week that I saw is making is going to convince me that they're going to go into Kyle Field at night and beat a Texas A&M team who just got embarrassed on their own field. There is nothing in me that is going to pick Miami to win this game there's I mean it would be I would honestly be shocked if they want so I have AM 38 to 17 so that's over the the 44 and a half um because I do think that AM is a very good football team and they just laid an egg last week but I think it's Jackson because Jackson's looking at me with wide eyes but I do think that AM will come in here and win very comfortably and and uh because I, I do think that they are still a very good football team and they still have their, they control their own destiny you know, because if they went out and they win the SEC, they're in the playoff. Regardless of what people think, they're in the playoff. So Haynes Kings dog water. Yeah. So here we go. Let's go to the Sun Belt games and let's get uh, a few quick ones in here. Old Dominion at Virginia. Uh, Virginia's an eight and a half point favorite and the over under is 53. Charlie, give us the fan vote and then the pick. Old. Uh, well, I think we got some Sun Belt bias here, but still 70%. Uh, fans voted for Old Dominion and I actually did pick Old Dominion too this was my upset of the week I guess I'm going for the storyline they're going to take down uh, both Virginia teams this year uh, and show who's boss so I got Old Dominion winning 23 to 17. Yeah a little bit of Sunbelt bias going on I'm betting or I'm picking the spread, Old Dominion. I think they cover, but I don't think they can pull off magic uh, twice this year. I think Virginia wins 31-24, and that will be over. Yeah, that's a surprising uh, fan vote there. Uh, Old Dominion's had their moments this year. They have they've, they beat the team that they shouldn't have beat. I don't think it happens again. I'm big on the quarterback with Virginia, uh, Brandon Armstrong. Uh, Virginia gets the job done 24-14. to 14. Yeah, uh, Austin has Virginia winning 34 to 21. Um, so that would be over, just over the 52 and a half. Um, I think that if this was at Old Dominion, I would pick Old Dominion to win. But since it's on the road at Virginia, I have Virginia winning 33 to 21. 
So that is uh, just over the 53, just so I could bet the over, but I still think that uh, Old Dominion would keep it at least respectable for um, for most of the game. Um, the next game is a very interesting one. South Alabama at UCLA. Um, that's that's kind of a cool game in my opinion. That's a pretty cool game for South Alabama to go out to Pasadena to play in the Rose Bowl. That's pretty cool for those players. But the spread is UCLA minus 15 and a half over under 60.5. Charlie, what is the fan vote and your pick? So 61% of fans voted UCLA, and I feel bad for voting against South Alabama last week, but I'm going to have to do it again. I think they're a legitimate team, but this is going to be a tough test. Um, uh, I don't think that line is going to be correct. I think it's going to be a little closer um, than what it shows. I think South Alabama is going to compete. But UCLA has been averaging 555 yards per game so far. So I got them winning 38-31, both high-powered offenses. So yeah. 30 to 31 is South Alabama covering the spread. So you got South Alabama covering there. Jackson, what's your pick? Just an absolutely brutal two-week stretch in terms of travel for South Alabama. I thought it would bite them last week in Central Michigan, but I think it definitely bites them against the better UCLA team. Obviously, UCLA, they've got DTR at quarterback, Zach Charbonnet at running back. They've got a high-powered offense. I think they're going to prove too much for the Jaguars. I've got – UCLA prevailing 41 to 24. That will be over. Like you already said, this UCLA offense is prolific. Chip Kelly knows how to coach an, uh, a college offense. That's for dang sure. I don't see South Alabama pulling off uh, another big time win like they did last week against Central Michigan. I think UCLA gets the job done, proves that they're one of the better offenses in the country with a 38 to 17 victory. Uh, Austin has UCLA winning 35 to 21. So that would be South Alabama covering that 15 and a half. Um, and that would be just under the 59 and a half. Uh, I agree with all of y'all that UCLA will probably come out and score, but I do think that South Alabama will be able to score on them um, at least a little bit. And I think the travel is going to come into play just like Austin's uh, Jackson said, um, but I do have South Alabama covering the spread so that my score is UCLA 38 South Alabama 26. Um, so that's just over the 60.5. So I have South Alabama covering and over the 60.5. UCLA getting the win there comfortably. Uh, now this is college game day. Troy at Appalachian State. Um, Appalachian State's a 12.5 point favorite. The over-under is 52.5. Um, Charlie, what is your game pick? And the fan vote. So yeah, the fans, 88% voted App State. Um, and I'm excited for this one because I want to see Troy, but they've lost 47-10 and 47-5 in their last two matchups against App State. And, I mean, App State's have a roller coaster so far. But what they did, uh, Chase Bryce um, looked so good in that first game. And I do believe Troy's defense will keep it closer. Um, and they have, you know, kind of double spear at running back right now, uh, which they'll have to figure out against this uh team but app state's loaded i got them winning 34 troy 20 i don't have the stats in front of me but i'm pretty sure this is the first time app state has hosted college game day it's obviously going to be a great environment and boom and their offense they look prolific against north carolina they did just enough against texas a&m and then you got troy who's they got blown out by Ole miss and they kind of struggled with their last opponent so it's very likely that App State will win. 
but I don't think they're going to. I think Troy pulls the upset, 12-and-a-half-point dogs. I think they win 34-27. to 27. I think they probably get a pick six off of Chase Bryce to kind of help their offense. And I think they hold on. They take a big lead and hold on, 34-27. That's probably the boldest prediction on this podcast so far. Yeah, I was literally just about to say that, Demon. That is bold. That is that is bold as it gets. Man, I, I wish I could agree, but I was just about to come on here and talk about how amazing I think Chase Bryce is. I think Chase Bryce could start in a lot of places around the in the country. I think he has a crazy good game. I think Troy competes early on and, and gets this about to the third quarter. So uh, I got App State handling their business. Chase Bryce has a good game, 32 to 18. Interesting score. Um, so Austin has uh Appalachian State winning 35 to 7 um so covering that 12 and a half and I that's under the 52 now I think that if college game day wasn't here this would be a closer game but I just see this game as App State's going to go out there they're probably going to get a like this is like the the most iconic game to like start the game on a pick six you know and then just the, the defense like there it's going to be like the most overhyped blowout in like the history of college game day I have App State 40 two to 17 over Troy. So that's over the 52 and a half. So I'm sorry, Jackson, you're kind of on the, on a, on a, on an Island there with uh, Troy winning. Um, now we're going to pick this next game mainly for the spread. There's, I mean, nobody's going to go crazy and pick the most monumental upset problem in college football history, but uh, it is fun sometimes to pick against big spreads like this. So uh, Louisiana Monroe at Alabama, um, so Alabama is a 49 and a half point favorite and the over-under is set at 61 and a half. Charlie fan vote. Why don't you tell us the, the percent who picked Louisiana Monroe to cover? So, well, yeah, out of that 100%, those games I'm saying, this is not one of them. Uh, some fans actually voted for ULM and I'm gonna have to go with them. Just kidding. I'm not going with that. Um, I don't think I can pick that. So Alabama uh, almost dropped the ball against Texas. I mean, Austin almost had that right, which we thought was crazy. Um, but obviously that's Texas, and uh, that's a totally different story. I got Alabama winning 48, uh, ULM 10. Here's how I see it, fellas. I'm betting – on ULM, three seconds left in the ball game. Callum or Caleb Sutherland, it's a 37-yard field goal as time expires, and the Warhawks go wild, and the final score is Alabama 49, ULM 3. Very beautiful setup there, Jackson. I was excited to see where you're going with that. I, I honestly, I got the pretty similar score, but I think Alabama even scores more. I just don't see this would even close. I think it's an absolute beat down. Alabama usually does this after playing tight to a team they shouldn't play tight to. So I'm going Alabama 62 to three. Austin has Alabama winning 55 to 10. So that's actually ULM covering that 49 and a half. Um, I'm, I'm going to agree with Nathan because um, last season when Alabama played close to Florida, the next week they came into Tuscaloosa and lo and behold beat Southern Miss 63 to 14. And the year before that, you know, they they came in after losing. I don't can't remember who they lost to, but uh, in 2019 or whoever it was, I don't remember. But I know every time Alabama plays a tie game or they lose the next week, they will come in and just eviscerate the next opponent. Um, and I see that happening here. I have Alabama very similar to Nathan, 
63 to 6. 63 to 6. So that's covering the 49 and a half, and that's over the 61 and a half. So that is our week three Prince Pickham. Nathan is in the lead, and he looks to hold that lead going into week four. Um, gentlemen, I think we have done really well with these picks so far. Um, can't get everything right, but that's why I do not bet. <laughs> uh, but so I hope you enjoyed the pod today. We will be there at the Rock Saturday night for Northwestern State Southern Miss. Be looking for our coverage. We'll have a video up. We may have a post game pod up. We'll definitely have a story up. Um, but be looking for um, all the coverage this weekend for Southern Miss home game against Northwestern State. Um, and I hope you enjoyed the interview with uh, with Patrick and uh, for and we miss Austin today. He would had to do, had to take care of some things. It's kind of funny. It feels like every time I'm here, he's not here, and then every time he's here, I'm not here. But uh, hopefully, we can all five be back in the room Monday for Fourth Street at five. So be looking forward to that. Um, so for Charlie, uh, for Jackson, and for Nathan, I'm Dima Mixon, and that was Fourth Street Sports Prince Pickham. Three, two, one. This has been the 4th Street Sports Show. Tune in next Monday at 5.